Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping. Today, we have part of an ongoing series of podcasts presented by KPMG's Customer Solutions Group. The topic today is an important and interesting one. We're going to be talking about the development of an aligned and agile operating model and culture. So that's a mouthful, but it's a mouthful about something that's extremely important today is how to build or continue to build out and improve your operating model and business foundation so as to ensure your ongoing competitiveness. Back with us once again today, three members of the U.S. firm, Duncan Avis. Duncan is a principal in the Customer Solutions Group. He's joined by Kim Huddle. Kim is the Managing Director in the Shared Services and Outsourcing Advisory Group. And back again is Layla Shen. Layla is a Director in the People and Change Practice. So, Duncan, let's dive into this and let's see how you guys knit it all together. So thank you for joining me today. We're going to talk about how organizations think about sort of agile operating models, which is a core theme within Connected Enterprise. So I'm delighted to have you both here today. Kim, let me start off with you. We think a lot about this sort of agile operating model, and I know you see a lot of changes in the marketplace and some of the challenges that clients are trying to solve with this. Maybe you can share some thoughts on what you're seeing as both their challenges and some of the ways they're trying to solve that. Absolutely. So what I'm seeing is a shift from organizations, especially in global business services, moving away from that mass standardization and really moving to some customization. So the skill sets and capabilities are really around design thinking, journey mapping, understanding what the customers need, and then coming up with a solution to actually meet that need versus here's our mass standardization across the board. That's where we really need to get in touch with the customer. So Kim, you talked about GBS, Global Business Services. Is that centers of excellence? Is that groups that sort of shared services? What does that mean to you? So it's a little of both, right? So you have a lot of centers of excellence. You also have shared services, some more transactional activities. And you're really organized across the world, depending on what the client's needs are. So there's regional centers of excellence and typically the global shared services. You know, many of these organizations are shifting, like I said. That's where you see breakdowns of silos already happening, which Mm -hmm. is great. Moving away from, I'm a finance function, I'm an HR function, actually having more end-to-end solutions. Mm -hmm. But again, those are things in the past of mass standardization. And what we're seeing is a more agile organization of individuals coming together and focused on capabilities versus just understanding the standards that they're trying to drive. So I had a client discussion just this morning around customer centricity and how they're moving their HR services to global business services. And it really required that they work with their customers to really come up with what is the ultimate solution in order to do this. And I think, to Kim's point, the whole concept of end-to-end is really important. And I think that is really something that good organizations are trying to instill in the capabilities of their people and how they bring the transition of the people along. Looking across the value chain, what's that end-to-end transaction that needs to happen? What's the end-to-end customer journey that you're trying to experience for the customer is going to be really important to understand because then when you think about the people that you have to bring along in your organization, how they really fit into that and understanding, okay, I belong in that part of the customer journey or I belong in that part of the end-to-end transaction or the end-to-end journey. That's where I fit in 
from a value chain perspective is a very big fundamental mindset shift. Mm-hmm. Most people, again, to your point, think about I'm a finance person, I'm an HR person. But if I start to think about, you know what, I'm actually this type of capability. I am the person who really handles a customer when they have issues and challenges and I'm brought in to really firefight and figure out what really needs to happen mm-hmm. from that perspective versus what the role is. And so that whole end to end is a really important concept that I think if organizations really think about what does that look like? How do I really get my people to understand where they fit into that value chain? That's the transition that's going to happen. And with all of the intelligent automation, we really need that shift to occur. We really need people to start thinking about their jobs differently. We need to start reskilling people to Mm -hmm. think about their jobs differently. Mm -hmm. So Kim, you work with organizations thinking about how they can think about sourcing as well. I know you do that as part of your role. And you talked about this sort of as a service or as a per drink, they've been talking <laughs> about drink, this. Yeah. How are you seeing organizations trying to embrace that as a way of helping them be more agile to respond to changing consumer behavior, changing economic situation, or just competition? A lot of clients are looking for that opportunity to buy the drink. If they actually could have a much more agile, easier way to buy services that they could turn on or off, Some clients are even talking about, well, if I could just buy this P2P capability end-to-end, technology included, people Mm -hmm. included, Mm -hmm. they would move forward with that. So I think the clients that we have are very interested in it. Is there unique challenges that come with a capability-based sort of operating model, or does it help you make better decisions around outsourcing, insourcing, but also managing the chain? I think when you clarify what agility means to the organization, is it faster innovation? Is it better cross-functional collaboration? Whatever agility means as a leader to you for your organization, then you can start thinking about your operating model. What's core? What's not core? What do you need to build quickly? So therefore, you've got to think about partnering instead. Mm -hmm. How do you build customer centricity within your partnerships and manage that? I think from a transition perspective, having that clarity around what does agility mean? Therefore, what do I need to do to behave? How do I build relationships with the partners that I'm managing? What's that core capability look like? A lot of those things is really baked in clarification from the leadership around the vision, the agility definition. And then how do you really get your operating model to really support that? So Mm -hmm. the governance mechanisms have to be there. Your performance management has to be there. Kim brought up a great point when we were talking earlier about incentives and how do you incentivize Mm -hmm. that in the right way. If if you have different incentives across cross-functional leaders, you're really never going to get to the agile organization you're looking for. Mm -hmm. We kind of use the analogy um, about thinking about the new world of almost creating this sort of factory idea about having different capabilities that you can apply to different problems. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the analogy is they're different tool sets. Mm -hmm. And I can use those tool sets to either build cars or build airplanes or using that analogy. The next logical is maybe I think about sourcing those, and that gives me some flexibility. And then obviously what we're hearing a lot about in both the marketplace and we're talking to clients a lot about is artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. and how do we automate roles and so on. From a sort of a people and management perspective, talent management and people engagement, employee, how are you seeing organizations thinking about artificial intelligence and how they're using it and how they continue to keep their employee base engaged and feeling part of an organization? 
I think the capabilities that we're going to start to see within, especially the younger generation who have grown up with digital, mm -hmm. who don't know a world without iPads, who look at a magazine and try to swipe it, <laughs> those kinds of things that I yeah, see in my yeah, nieces yeah. and my nephew, mm -hmm. those are going to be the ones who are actually going to be able to think about a brand new world with new AI, what you could do from a possibility perspective. And so I think really what's important is making sure your leadership, those of us who haven't grown up with iPads and right. that kind of technology, allowing that talent to really inform and crowdsource those ideas of how could we really use that? What does that future look like? They're going to have a lot of great ideas around what that looks like. They're used to working with mm -hmm. technology. They're used to interacting with technology. Let them do that. Absolutely. And, and some of the things we're seeing is that the younger talent actually wants this more agile and flexible mm -hmm. work schedule. It's new, it's different, but we really need to embrace the younger generation and understand what it is they're really looking for. Because again, they're the customers, yeah. our workforce. And if they really want to change the way they're working, I think it will fit well into what we're seeing in the marketplace anyway. And I think, Duncan, you mentioned earlier thinking about talent as tool sets and things like that to really fix different problems. But how do you really continue to break down those silos and say, look, we've got this problem. I don't care where you come from. Right. We're going to pull in the right capabilities in order to solve that problem versus I need a finance guy. You can't think about that anymore. You've right. got to just think about what is the type of solutions that I'm trying to look for, what's the creativity I need, the capabilities that can really work on that, and how do I bring that together very quickly to solve rapid fire issues and continue continue to then go back into the organization and keep moving. So we talked a little bit about, and if you believe what you hear sometimes, you think about this agile operating model, there's a little bit of a wild west where there's no structure, there's you know lack of accountability, people do the jobs they want to do, they, they come and go when they, you know, you're swarming around, you don't really have organizational <laughs> alignment. That's not the case, clearly. Yep. So how are organizations trying to solve that I'm guessing through some level of governance. Is that what you're seeing as the core route? Absolutely. It's a shift in how the governance organizations have to work. And today, they've been aligned to functions, right. significantly aligned to functions. And you know that is shifting. So a lot of things we still need to define, but that, that is definitely how you would manage this, is through the governance organization. And I think that governance has to be baked in things like, what is that clear vision? What does agility really mean? Mm -hmm. Really define those behaviors and define what that scope looks like so your organization's not trying to do everything that's agile. Because mm -hmm. then you get into the problem of, we're the wild, wild west, and nobody really knows what they're supposed to be doing, and they're running all over the place. And so I think if you clearly define those kinds of concepts around what's my vision, what does agility mean, what are those behaviors I'm looking for, and you bound it that way, mm. then you have the governance on top of that, the shared metrics, the collaboration metrics, the accountability within that governance model, then it doesn't seem so out there and so right. wild. Most organizations are used to putting an annual business plan together and saying, mm -hmm. this year, I need this number of heads in this function, mm -hmm. in this role, and I've either got them or I need to hire or recruit them. I think we're talking about a model where it's a little bit more flexible than that, Absolutely. but has to be able to flex to the market needs, mm -hmm. but still do that in a profitable way. If you would say, okay, customer or client says to you, you know, I've heard about this agile operating model, and think it's somewhere I really want to sort of start pursuing, where would you say that they should start that journey? How do you think they should start thinking about this? And is it assessing where they are? Or is it starting to create a different model? What would you suggest that would be a good place to start or an area to focus on, Kim? Number one, you would look for short-term projects to really start focusing in this area. And then they really need to identify who their customer base is for that particular project. Mm -hmm. And bring those people together to actually form the solution 
I see the success anytime a customer is involved in the solution is much higher. But with a few trials, I think companies will start to understand how they can actually leverage a more agile team, mm -hmm. pull people together, disband them when you finish your project. Okay. To start small. And I think it might be also looking at the customer base you're trying to go after, whether it's consumers and your retailers or if you're B2B, B2C, depending. But really thinking about what is that customer-centric brand that you want to really build with your customers? What's that experience that you really want them to have? And then starting to identify where in my organization am I not getting that? Mm -hmm. Where are some of the hangups? Where are there incentives and performance measurements that probably actually don't align to that? So you're thinking about you're sitting with a client and they say, hey, so philosophically I believe in this agile operating model, but I'm really struggling to convince the rest of my C-suite or our C-suite, my peers, my colleagues, whoever that is, that this is a good thing to do. What would you suggest the case for change? Why would you even go down this path again? I think, again, we really need to look at what our younger generation is looking for. You know, mm -hmm. if this is the workforce of the future, we need to make those changes as leaders. And if we don't, we're going to be behind our competition. You really have to draw from the best, and the only way to do that is to actually solve for what is it that they're trying to achieve. So it's a talent problem, it is a, a talent. future talent problem that they're solving for. And Leela, what would you say in this? I think a lot of trying to convince people is really thinking about the data and analytics that you have and driving in the insights from where are the consumers going, how are you trying to create insights from that, the implications to your organization. I think that outside-in driven consumer insights that you can get from other places really can start to scare people in a good way, yeah. <laughs> hopefully yeah. not too much in a bad way, that can kind of go, you know what, wow, we really need to do something. We need to be more aggressive. We need right. to stop being so complacent. This isn't just a phase everyone's going through. We have to fundamentally change and be agile. You know, that's where it's so important to have this agile workforce because it is moving fast and by the time you set up shop to actually manage customers and consumers what today, it's going to change again tomorrow. So yeah. you really have to be able to flex with that. I think you both make great points. There's a couple of truisms that we know. One is that future talent is changing. So that's absolutely true. Two is we know that the consumer and our end customer is evolving mm -hmm. far more rapidly than most organizations can keep up with it. And then the third piece is that we know that competition and startups <laughs> are going from zero to scale at a pace that was never seen before. Right. Mm -hmm. So it used to take five, 10, 20 years to get to scale. We're seeing organizations come into a marketplace, disrupt a marketplace and be at scale in years, mm -hmm. in like single digit years. Right. So thank you both for your time today. I think that was uh, an excellent discussion. It's a topic that's going to continue to evolve. I know there's no right answer right now, <laughs> but I, uh, I appreciate you giving and sharing your perspectives and thoughts today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So Duncan, Kim, and Layla, that was great. You really helped to put all these pieces together into a nice mosaic. For our listeners out there, if you'd like to learn more about what was discussed today, Check out the landing page for this podcast. There are links to a wide range of other KPMG materials. Or if you're not at the landing page, check out the following link. It's www.kpmg.com slash US slash Connected Enterprise. Uh, there will be more information on this topic and several others. To Duncan, Kim, and Layla, thanks for joining. And for all of our listeners, thanks as well. We really have a great day. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com 
slash US slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.